What do you do when you run into that person who has hurt you, who has wronged you? You carry the weight of your frustration and anger, and then suddenly there they are standing right in front of you. What do you do? Well, for many of us, even though we're carrying some anger and frustration, we suddenly, when they're standing before us, may think, well, you know, they probably didn't really mean it. I may be making more out of this than I should, and you let it go. But what if that person standing in front of you has really harmed you, harmed your relationship? stolen from you a number of things and you are so angry and so frustrated because what they did was no accident they did it on purpose and they deserve to be punished and there they stand in front of you you are hurt and angry it was no little thing they did what do you do? The situation we're going to look at today in God's word is a situation just like that. We're looking as we preach through the scriptures, we're coming to one of the, one of the smaller letters that Paul wrote. In fact, I, I referred to it as his postcard. It's 22 verses. But they are... 22 of the most challenging verses in all of Scripture. You see, big decisions have to be made. A party has been wronged, and something needs to be done about it. What are they going to do? What is Paul's advice to them? What is Paul's advice to us? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, right now we're people on our minds and hearts that uh, we are angry with and don't know what to do with that. So I pray you would, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to each of us. Open our eyes and our hearts to all that you have for us. And that we would leave here changed, being more like you. If there would any, be anything that would stop that or inhibit that from happening, we pray you would remove it. For we've come to learn and to be changed. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. When Paul is writing this letter, he is in prison. And uh, he is in Rome in prison. And the situation of the background of the letter is that back in a place, uh, he was uh, a pastor uh, really beginning the church in a place called Ephesus. And back in Ephesus, one day he met a, uh, a, a businessman from Colossae, and his name was Philemon. We'll just put Philemon right here. And Philemon... Now, a, a, a businessman maybe was on vacation at the beach in, in Ephesus and ran into Paul 
and heard the message, made a commitment to Christ, goes back to his hometown of Colossae, and he has a home church. He opens his home, so we know he was wealthy because probably 30 folks could gather in a home, which was a huge home back then, and they had a church. Paul was his spiritual father. Paul loved Philemon, and Philemon loved Paul. Now, it's a little while later. Paul is in Rome. He is in prison. He's under house arrest. And a young man comes to him by the name of Onesimus. Somehow, in Rome, a thousand miles away from Colossae, Paul runs into Onesimus, or Onesimus runs into Paul. We'll have to ask him when we get to heaven what, how that happened. And Onesimus hears the gospel from Paul, like Philemon, gives his life to Christ, makes a commitment. I trust Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And Paul loves Onesimus. Onesimus loves Paul. And Onesimus, Paul says, hey, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from a place far away. No, where are you from? Colossae. Oh, hey, I've got a good friend in Colossae named Philemon. And at that point, probably Onesimus' heart dropped because he says, I I know Philemon. Philemon is my master. I am his slave, and I ran away a thousand miles And I'm here with you, Paul. And Paul now is caught in the middle. Now, slavery back then, slavery is always bad. A little different than in the United States. In the Roman Empire of the day, almost 45% of the empire was enslaved in some way. You could be an indentured or a bondservant. You didn't have enough money to take care of your family, and you, you became a bond slave. You worked for somebody else, slaving for them to take care of your family. The Roman Empire was a conquering empire, and so the spoils of war, you took a people group, and all through history, the sin of humankind, we take people who are not like us, and we put them enslaved to us once we take over for them, of them. And so 45% of the empire, people were in some kind of bondage. And because of that, the Romans were so afraid of a slave uprising. Remember, I am Spartacus. Before, somewhere before uh, the birth of Christ, there was a slave uprising and thousands were killed, and thousands of rebellious slaves were crucified. And that was what the Roman Empire said to a runaway slave. When they are caught, they are to be punished. They could even be crucified, and no one would blink an eye. And so here's Paul. He's got a dear brother in Christ who has been wronged by a slave who is now a dear brother in Christ, and 
Paul stands between the two. And I imagine there were lots of conversations on what to do. And Onesimus says, I was wrong to run away. And I may have picked up a couple of things to help finance my journey on the way. There's a hint of that in there. And Onesimus says, I have got to go back. What is Philemon going to do when this servant comes back? Because frankly, Philemon is P.O.'d at, on, and never mind, at, at Onesimus. Because it cost him. It cost him his reputation. It cost him a lot in the community. An example had to be made of Onesimus. But Paul writes his prison letters and sends them back to the four churches in the area with one additional envelope or scroll. This was a letter from Paul on behalf of Onesimus to give to Philemon. And so picture it. I mean, this is what Hollywood movies are made of. Picture it Sunday morning and Philemon is happy with the church and in walks his runaway servant, his runaway slave who has harmed him. What does he do? And Onesimus hands him the letter that we have. And here's what it says. Now, before I get to the letter, know that the letters to the Colossians and the Ephesians and the Philippians talk about what it's like for people in the body of Christ to live together. Colossians says, but now as a believer, you must put everything away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here is not Greek in the church. In the kingdom of God is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. The culture puts them as enemies. The kingdom of God puts them as brothers in Christ. So Onesimus goes back with the letter. And Paul writes in Philemon, verse 8. Accordingly, or therefore, after he gives a little introduction, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, now a prisoner also for Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now, formerly in this letter, he calls Philemon, you are my child in the faith. He is saying, you all are the same. You all are brothers. Formerly, he was useless to you. The name Onesimus means useful. And so there's a play on words here. He, he was useless, but now he is indeed 
useful to you and me. I'm sending him back to you. I'm sending you my very heart. All right, Onesimus or Philemon, he is now your brother in Christ. And I am your father in the Lord. I am his father in the Lord. And we are family. And I am saying, I could command you to do what is right, to forgive him. But that's not how forgiveness works, is it? I appeal from my heart to your heart as he turns toward you. I pray you will do the right thing. You see, I'm a prisoner for Christ. Onesimus is a prisoner as a slave. And Philemon, you are a prisoner in your own anger, frustration, and hatred for this one who has wronged you. We're all prisoners. So, what does Philemon do? Anyone? We don't know. We absolutely don't know. It doesn't say. So that's the second question you ask when you see him in heaven. What, what did you do when he handed you the, that letter? We know that Philemon heard the gospel, though, in a way he'd never heard the gospel before. For look what Paul says as he stands between these two. He says this, Philemon, if Onesimus has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me your whole self. He is using a word called imputed. Impute means to take it from one side of a ledger. It was, uh, if you see a ledger of the day, is to take a, a, a page of debt and put it to the other side and say it's paid. Whatever Onesimus owes you, whatever debt he has incurred, your reputation, your, your finances, anything, you put that on my account. You impute that to me so that he and you will be okay. I will pay the debt, whatever he owes you, so that your relationship with him will be good. And, and what Paul wants him to see is this. Philemon, Onesimus has wronged you in a few ways. Next slide. Next slide. Of the, these little rocks. He has forgiven you, but the Lord has forgiven you with this many rocks. How can you hold, withhold forgiveness for something little that you have been wronged and hold on to that when you have been forgiven the pile of rocks? And how is that forgiveness happening? Go back a slide to uh, one more to the scripture where it says, 
For God made Jesus who, to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The debt that you owed with all those rocks were imputed onto Jesus so that you would be totally forgiven. And so Paul is living out the gospel. He is telling each of us. Peter said, well, how much do we have to forgive, Lord? The rule of the day was twice. And Peter thinks he's being uh, extravagant when he says seven. And you know what the Lord says back? Jesus says to him, no, not seven. Seventy times seven. 490 times. And that doesn't mean you count out 490 times. It's an impossible number to get to. It's the perfect number. You are to forgive perfectly. He's saying, as the Father has forgiven you, you must forgive others. As the Father has forgiven us, we must forgive others. He writes in those other letters to the other churches, to the Ephesians, he writes this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgave you. In Colossians, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive each other. Notice both times he says, as the Lord has forgave you, it's past tense. We don't forgive to get forgiven. We forgive because we have been forgiven. And this is our story. We have wronged our Heavenly Father. We have disobeyed. We have run to the far country. We have said, I want to live my life. And Jesus comes and says, Father, on the cross, forgive them. And God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that he takes our sin. He imputes it on himself. So that we are able to be in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's Christianity. That's the gospel. I want to point out one thing before we come to the communion table. When you read the address of Philemon, the letter, the postcard, it's addressed to Philemon, comma, his wife, comma, either his son or the pastor of this home church, comma, and the rest of the church. Now, why is that? Because for so many of us, when we've been wronged, we tell everybody else how wrong we've been, and they're mad and angry at the person as well. And so it was no secret in the church that Onesimus had run away and hurt Philemon. And they took on some of that anger, I imagine. And so that letter of forgiveness is written to them. But it doesn't end there. That letter of forgiveness is written to the church. 
which means it's written to you and to me. Who is the Onesimus in your life that you need to forgive? Who is it that when you see your blood boils and they've got to pay and you are in prison with that anger, who is your Onesimus? And then, at the same time, because we're all skunks, that's a Greek understanding that we blow it with each other. All of us have got a Philemon in our life who when they think of us and what we have done to them, they want payback. Are we willing not to apologize? See, apologize is just a sweet way of saying, I'm sorry you feel bad about what I did. It's a weasel way, but it's not. A confession says, I have hurt you, and I am sorry. I was wrong, and I wanted to make it right. You see, all of us have a Philemon, and all of us have an Onesimus. And in the kingdom of God, that anger and that malice has no place. No place. Be kind to one another, Paul says. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another in God. In Christ. As you have been forgiven. You think about that. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father. We confess we have heard people. And we don't feel like going and saying, I'm sorry, and confessing that we have done wrong. And so, Lord, open our minds and our hearts to heal that relationship. And the baggage that we're carrying and weighed down because somebody has hurt us and we want to make sure they pay. Oh, Lord, might you free us that we might be great forgivers of folks. Forgiving not so that we are forgiven by you, but forgiving because you have forgiven everything with us. Prepare our hearts for this meal that reminds us that our sins, our failings, our wrongness were imputed on you. So our ledger is clear with you. And we are your children, brothers and sisters to each other. Prepare our hearts for this meal. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.